Hey there, everyone. Welcome to As the Crow Flies, episode six. We'll call this episode six. We didn't really number the roundtables, but we'll call those four and five. This will be episode six. I'll stop saying the episode number, I guess maybe around 10. I think that's a good number. I'll say episode 10. After that, we'll just say, welcome to As the Crow Flies. But until then, this is episode six. I'm your host, Vince Davenport. This is going to be a really special episode today because, uh, as I'm sure everybody is aware, the Olympics are back. And that's what we're going to talk about nonstop for the next four hours is Olympic coverage. I cannot wait because we're all huge Olympics fans. I've been tuning in since it started. I think it was on the 8th. And I've just been 24 hours nonstop, luge, all the downhills, the, the alpines, uh, really the moguls were great. Um, Steve, uh, Steve Jones from Jersey won the, the, the yellow medal and, and that was really fun to see. I really don't know. I'm just talking nonsense. I have no idea who, who won the moguls cause I haven't watched anything. Um, except I did see that there's a two man luge. I did not know that there was a two man luge. So there's one luge, one man luge, two man luge, four man bobsled, and skeleton. What I was curious as soon as I saw that, I thought to myself, "What is? What's the hierarchy? What's the chain of command of like of coolness as far as like those downhill those downhill sports? Is the bobhead bobsled the 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 cool one? Like, are they the cool kids on the block? They get the nice hotel rooms, or is the luge the cool one? Like, if you're not good at bobsled, do you go to luge? If you're not good at luge, do you go to bobsled? Which one is it? What's cooler to be? I think, I guess, I guess I would go with, I don't know. I think the bobsled might be, might be the cool cats and everybody else. Like you can't get along with anybody. So you go do the luge and you can't, if you can't luge, then see if you can go down head first and do the skeleton. I don't know. I don't know which one's supposed to be the the cool one or not. But to me, I think I'd rather be on the bobsled. I'd rather be the back guy on the bobsled or the front guy on the bobsled. The middle one. I don't really. I don't think that's that's kind of pointless. So again, that's the extent of our Olympic our Olympic coverage talk. I'm not, <laughs> we're not an Olympic. Uh, we're not Olympic fans here. At least I'm not, and I'm in charge. So no Olympic talk. But I guess I can. Here, here's a good transition. Here, um, I went to see. I, Tanya, and Tanya Harding was in the Olympics. So there you go. That's my best shot at a good transition. So my fiance and I, Kim, and that's what I'll just call her from here on out. She's Kim. So you know that Kim, if I say Kim, that's my fiance. Because saying my fiance sounds, I don't know, it's a little pretentious, I, I guess. I don't really feel right saying it all the time. Hey, my fiance did this. My fiance, it's Kim. So when I say Kim, that's my fiance. Kim and I went to see I, Tanya. Now, here, I'll break down the whole story for you. We don't get out much. We have a sixteenth month old a sixteen month old son, and her parents were watching him. So we said, all right, we'll do we'll do a dinner and a movie night. Now we are not good at this anymore. It's been a while since we did dinner and a movie. So we dropped off our son and we figured, okay, it'll take about a half hour to get to the theater from her parents' house. And it took us like fifteen minutes. And we thought, all right, it'll take about an hour to eat. I think that took us like 20 minutes. We figured it'll take us like uh, 10 minutes to walk to the theater. It took us a minute. So we were like an hour and 20 minutes early for the showtime. So the showtime was 7.45. We were there at like 6.30-ish. That, 
<laughs> we were so early. 7.45 is when the trailers start. That's not even when the movie starts. So for the, the movie, that's like 20 minutes of trailers. We were like almost two hours early for a movie. So we got to the movie theater. It was packed. The movie theater was packed. It was a Saturday night. And we so we got a table in the lobby just to sit there. And we people watched for like an hour. And then we figured, well, we we actually went up to the, the guy who was like ripping the tickets and we asked if we can just get into the theater, and he he told he like laughed at us. He was like, "Which theater? No, they're still they're they're still playing the movie from for the show before you guys. So no, you're not allowed in there." So we sat at the table for a while, and we watched we watched passersby. It was full of teenagers, which I was kind of happy about because I thought that was kind of like a dying thing that movie theaters were sort of on on the fritz. They were they were kind of going downhill, but that was live with like high school age kids, which which was cool. I, I didn't think that was still like a congregating point. I didn't think that teenagers still went to the movies. So the line for popcorn was like, well, I'll get to that. So so we 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 have it's like 7:30 and we're like, "All right, let's go in finally." So we go in, we go in, the guy lets us in, the movie's out. There was actually people walking out of the theater when we went in. And they were seeing iTiny too. And we're like, was it good? They told us it was good. Whatever. So that's how early we were. And we get into the movie theater. There's nobody in there, obviously. So we go. It's not a big movie theater. It was one of the smaller ones because it wasn't. It, you didn't need like IMAX or anything crazy. So, so it was a, a, one of the smaller theaters there all the way at the end. So we go. We sit in the back row. Now this theater, this comes into play. So really pay attention here. And really try, try and picture what I'm talking about. So when you walk up the steps in this theater, the last row, the step is actually two seats. They kind of jut out and and in front of you is the stairway down. So I checked that out and I never saw that before. So I thought, all right, maybe this is a good spot. We have all the leg room we want. We sat down there and really quickly realized that wasn't cool. You didn't have anywhere to put your feet. You were just kind of out there. So we slid two over. Now we're the first, we're the second, I'm sorry, the third and fourth seat in the last row. So sitting there for about 20 minutes and I say, you know, I was thinking about popcorn the whole night and I needed popcorn. I wasn't going to be able to focus on the movie until I had popcorn in front of me. So I said, Hey, I'm going to go get some popcorn. (laughs) Even though I had an hour and a half to get popcorn and didn't, I thought that was the time. So I went out and I got in line for popcorn. That took 30 minutes to get popcorn. I was in the popcorn line for 30 minutes. I come back with popcorn and candy (laughs) <laughs> and and water. So I go to my seat. The theater is now filling in, right? Because the like that's the normal time to get to a movie is like ten minutes before the show's about to start. My times might be a little bit off there, but whatever. It's it's I, I I it was like it was like last weekend, so I don't I don't remember. But those were generally the times, give or take ten or fifteen minutes here or there. I might be off on a few times. So we're in the theater and the trailers are starting to play or already were playing. And a guy comes in who's around my age, like early 30s, and he storms up the steps and he sits in the seat right in front of us by himself and gets right on his phone and starts texting on his phone. Wow, that was that was weird. Why is he here seeing I, Tanya on his own? Whatever. I've been to the movies by myself before. No big deal. Then a guy on the other side of the theater, around the same age, storms in, goes directly to a seat like he knew which seat he was going to before he even got in the theater, sits right down. He immediately gets on his phone by himself. Well, that's bizarre. And then a, f- a minute later, another guy comes in. He's a little bit older, in his 40s, 50s. 
and he beelines right for our row, squeezes by us, doesn't even say excuse me, just bolts right by us, brushes up against our legs, sits a few seats to our left, gets right on his phone. He's looking around, like nervously. Like, what is, me and Kim look at each other, like, what is happening here? Then, an older lady comes in, again beelines right for the seats that were like kind of jutting out into the stairs. She sits right down, gets on her phone immediately. And I'm looking at Kim, like, what? what? We just got boxed in, and these people are, like, talking to each other on the phone. What? The, what is going on here? And I had a really bad feeling in my stomach. I don't know why. And it's kind of sad that we, if we live in a day and age now where, like, the first thing you think of is this is... This, something's going down here. Like, I don't like, I did not like the feeling. And I don't get that a lot. Like, I'm not a guy that just like, you know, keep shooting until something bad actually happens. Like, I, I, I had a genuinely like awkward feeling. And the guy that was to our left was staring at everybody that walked in the theater, like needed to know who was walking in and we'll watch them as they walked all the way to their seat. And Kim notices this too. And we're kind of whispering to each other like, what is happening here? It was that awkward. It was noticeable. It was noticeable. Like we weren't just being crazy. Weird stuff was happening. So we're like, hey, like, do you want to leave? <laughs> like, we've been here for like so long. I felt like we were, we, we had to stay, but we both kind of felt strange. We, we felt strange. And I didn't want to regret staying there and something happening. And I'd never felt like that before. So we actually decided, like, we're like, all right, we'll, we'll leave. So we walked down the steps and we got to, like, the side, like, the walk-in part of the theater. And I was like, wait, like, what are we doing? Are we actually going to leave this movie theater right now? Like, we just paid and we've been here all night. We can't leave now. The movie's about to start. Like, this is the worst time to leave. And... We discussed it. Like, we were like, all right, like, what, what do we think? We're, are we going to sit in the same seats? What are we going to do? So I said, okay, listen, there's an exit right next to the screen. Let's sit in the front row and watch the movie. And if, if we start hearing anything crazy, you know, we're, we're out. We're going right to that door. So we stayed. We sat in the front row. So we were the first ones in the theater. And we ended up having the worst seats in the movie theater. And to make matters worse... I left my popcorn up on the up on the last row. So all I thought about the whole movie was that my popcorn was up there with the people that I thought were going to shoot the movie theater up. And lo and behold, I mean, I'm here. They didn't do anything. They were just there by themselves, and they were being really awkward and strange. And a bunch of young guys went to see I Tanya by themselves. I, so I, I mean, every so every time like somebody would get up to go to the bathroom, me and her at the same time would snap our heads back, like because I thought, all right, it's going down. We got we got to get out of here. So I was watching, I paid attention. And to be honest with you, the movie was really good. It was a really good movie, but I never let myself dive into the movie because I always was like, all right, like they might know that we know that something's up here. They might come for us first. And so I was really scared about that. And I was thinking about my popcorn. Probably a little bit more and was so angry that I left and the popcorn was so good and i went on a tear after that the last like week i've been i've eaten more popcorn than i have in the last 15 years also i want to eat is popcorn i just i've been craving popcorn not potato chips not pretzels popcorn i just want buttered popcorn that's all i want and we 
got rid of our microwave. So we don't even have a microwave. We use a toaster oven. If you're still using a microwave over a toaster oven, first off, get with the program. It's it's the 90s. You got to get you got to catch up. You really a toaster oven will change your life. I'm not kidding when I say that. That's not just me saying like, oh, it's life changing. It's life changing. You eat. I don't eat leftovers. And now I didn't. And now I do in the toaster oven. Warm it up. Bake it. Toast it. It's just as fast as a toaster. And it tastes better than a microwave. I don't like microwaves. We don't need a microwave for anything. But I'm now I'm down to either buying bagged popcorn or the Jiffy Pop, which you have to cook on a stove, which is a lot of effort for popcorn. And it's good, but it's not as good as the regular microwave popcorn. So it's kind of, I really actually want to get a microwave just for popcorn, but I don't think we're going to. We don't have the counter space. But I, Tanya... Was it was a good flick. Allison Janney was phenomenal in it. There it is again, phenomenal. She was though. She was really good. She should win Best Actress. If did the if the did the Oscars happen yet? I have to check that because she should win Best Actress, or she did, or she got screwed. I don't know. I don't even know if they went down yet. So good movie. I was scared I was going to get shot in the head the whole time, and I was scared that um, I was never going to. Well, I I was scared. My just it was justified. My, my fear was justified because I, I didn't get to eat that delicious popcorn from the Oaks Regal. So that, I guess, here is another smooth transition into shootings. So we all know that there was a shooting that took place in Florida in a school. I'm not going to, you know, dedicate uh, an entire episode of As the Crow Flies to uh, gun laws and 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 changing the gun laws and and what what we need to do to make schools safer here's my here's my stance on 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 gun control and and what i think it should be i am first let's throw out right off the bat i don't care about the second amendment just because 250 years ago somebody said that you can have a gun doesn't mean that you have a right to have a gun now. I don't care wh- what if it is a right. It's not. You sh- it should be a privilege for you to own a gun. You need to prove that you are capable, physically and mentally, to possess a gun, a dangerous weapon. But if you are physically and mentally stable enough to own a gun, then you can have any gun that you want. I don't care what it is. But you need to be inconvenienced every time you purchase a gun. You can't get your gun. You can't say, hey, let's hit the grocery store up and then on the way home, I'll grab my gun and we'll stop and get some mulch. No, that's not how it works. It needs to take some time. You need to you need to dedicate a day to purchasing a gun. Now, I'm going to stop by Rick's and, and grab myself a pistol. No, that's not how it can be. That's not how it should be. You should be very inconvenienced to get a gun and you need to have an evaluation. And if you're not okay with that, then I'm sorry, but you need to be mentally evaluated to see if you are still capable. And I say still, because even if you had one before, that's something that you need. I need to change. I have to pay $30 to get my driver's license renewed next month. Okay, that's fine. A car is a dangerous thing. I need to, I need to do that. They need to generate cash, whatever. I don't care, but I need to read. I need to renew my license. So what you need to renew your gun license and you need to get evaluated again. Who cares if you're stable enough to do it? then do it. It doesn't matter. Get get a day off from work. Fine. That's fine. Get free eight hours. C- cover it. It doesn't matter to me. But you need to be evaluated mentally before you can start buying guns. Or every time you want to purchase a gun, you need to sit down with a psychiatrist and he needs to approve you. 
That's, I mean, how hard is that? Why is that so bad? You can have, fine, if you want assault rifles, you want an AR-15, I don't care. I don't care if you can have, if you, if I can trust you with it and I know that you're stable enough and responsible enough to possess that gun in a manner that's not going to cause harm to me or my family, then absolutely collect them up, build a whole room for all your guns. I don't care. You can have a cannon in your house. You could bring a cannon to the mall if you want. If you're a normal person who's not going to hurt anybody, you just like rolling a cannon around. Fine with me. But if you're a little kooky and a lot unstable and we find that out, then you can't have guns anymore. Sorry, I don't care what they said in 1790. That doesn't make a difference to me. So listen, we the goal of, of, of this whole thing is to get better. Uh, the goal of life, of country, of, of government is to improve on things. Not stay stagnant, not get worse. Let's not get worse. Let's not stay with the with business as usual. It's not working. Now, it might work for you now because you don't know the 15-year-old kid that just got his head blown off. That 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 doesn't hit home enough for you until it's somebody that you love. Then, then maybe, but that's not what I, I don't want to get to. Everybody needs to have somebody get shot in the head in the school before we make change. Put yourself in somebody else's shoes for once. If we could all do that, then this world would be a lot better. Pro guns, pro guns, love guns. I don't have a gun. I'll get to my thoughts on that in a minute, but I'm pro guns. I'm also pro gun control. Government can't get involved. The government's going to take my guns. These conspiracy theorists that believe in chemtrails and that 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 like the Denver airport is a is an army hub. It's they think the government's coming for their guns. Nobody's coming for their guns. Obama was coming for their guns. Eight years later, didn't take a gun. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you should give up any of your guns. But you, instead of, instead of waiting to see if you were responsible enough to have a gun, you need to prove that you are physically and mentally responsible and capable of owning a gun without harming anybody. And you need to continue to prove that you are physically and mentally capable and responsible enough to own a gun. If you don't like it, don't have one. If you do and you can successfully prove those two things... Then start your own army. I don't care. Just because you're pro-gun control does not mean that you're anti-gun. Let's help. Let's evaluate. Let's inconvenience yourself or others. Let's make it something that inconveniences you. That That is a hiccup in your day. Oh, I got to go. I want to purchase this new... I don't even know. I don't know anything about guns. I want to purchase this new rifle. To go shoot at targets or shoot at deer. By the way, like I'm not a big hunter anyway. But again, I don't hunt. If you want to hunt, cool. I hate it. I think it's ridiculous. People call it a sport. It's not a sport if the other team doesn't know they're playing. <laughs> to me, that's not a sport. You're hiding in a tree. They're eating. You shoot them. That's not a sport. You're cheating. If you really hunting to me is, I'll give you a knife. I'll give you a knife and that's it. If you can kill that animal... By all means, go for it. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm personally anti-hunting, but if you want to hunt, fine, 
that's fine with me. If you can do it safely, that's fine. You can go blow. If that's what gets you gets your rocks off, that's what gives you kicks is blowing a deer's head off while it's trying to drink out of a out of a little brook. Then cool, man. I mean, you have other issues, but if that's if that's what you're into, then fine. But in order to get that gun, you need to talk to uh, Doctor Smith over there because he need you haven't been evaluated in two years. We need to know that you're capable of carrying this gun responsibly. We need to know that you're not. Something didn't happen in your life in the last two years that might change that. Oh, you passed. You did good. Which one do you want? Here it is. How many bullets? Here they are. 120 bucks. Whatever. Who cares? To go ahead. Have the guns. Why can't... Who, who, why, how could you disagree with that? I need somebody to tell me. If you're listening to this, message me on Facebook or, or, or shoot me a text if you know, or call me and, t- and tell me wh- how that's a problem. Why you disagree with that? What is it infringing on your rights? Is it infringing on your rights to get, you need to get evaluated for everything. If you get a job, you take a physical. Is that infringing on your rights? No, that's the standard of that company. Can you lift 80 pounds? No, you can't. Well, this job requires you to lift 80 pounds. Sorry, you can't have it. Can you, do you want a gun? Well, you gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta be normal and mentally stable. If you're not, sorry. We get our rights infringed upon us every day. That's called law. It's law. It's rules. We follow them. Why is this one? Why does this need to be any different? It can't be. Why? How is safety not paramount? It's it's paramount in every other situation and scenario until we start talking about guns. You can have a fully automatic weapon. Fine. Now, here's my thing. If something happens with that fully automatic weapon that you have, and it's not you, if, if little Georgie steals it and goes to school, obviously that would be awful. You're responsible for that weapon and anything that ever happens to that weapon. And any sentence that anybody would get for firing that weapon at somebody else, you'll get it too. Responsibility is key. Self-responsibility is key. Everything's logged. We log everything. Hey, how many, how many guns does Jimmy down the street have? He's got 15 guns. Here, here's, here's what they are. They're registered. Is that infringing on your rights? Sorry. Again, I apologize. But that happens in, with everything. Keep a log of the weapons. Keep a tally of the licenses. Retest every two years. Because sure, something can happen in your life that, you know, maybe, maybe you went off the deep end. Maybe you're not a responsible gun owner anymore. You can't have them anymore. Blind people can't drive. Is that infringing on their rights? If I can see and I can drive and I'm the best driver in the world and I go blind, am I still allowed to drive? Not allowed to drive anymore. You can't drive anymore because you can't see. You can't have a gun anymore because you're not stable enough. Now, if you are, I can't stress this enough. If you are, have them all. Have all the guns. Now, my personal view on me owning a gun is I've never, I've never wanted to, to own a gun. I think it, I always was not scared of them. Uh, I, it just, it's, it seems like they invite problems to me. And that's not, and that's really not true because the majority of gun owners have no issue. Just for me personally, I've always felt that way, right or wrong. And now I've never been so close to wanting to purchase a gun and, and, and apply for and, and hold a concealed carry license. And, 
And I'll do whatever that takes. If they want me to talk to a doctor to get my head evaluated to make sure I'm stable enough, then I'd be fine with that. If they want me to wait in the courthouse for eight hours to get the concealed carry license, then I'd be fine with that. If it takes two weeks for me to get the gun from the gun store, then I'd be fine with that too. Why do I need a gun today? When do you ever need a gun today? Why? What situation could be happening in your life where you go to a gun store or a gun show, which a gun show, we can hold another, you know, eight hours on that. That's, there's problems there that are way bigger than this. But why do you need one today? You don't need a gun today. You don't need a gun tomorrow. The big, the big hunting trip with the, with, the, with the buddies from college is coming up next month. Okay, then order your gun today. Get your gun, get your, order your gun today. It'll come in in three weeks after you've gone through the correct steps. I'd be fine with that. Why aren't you? Why aren't you okay with that? You don't need a gun today. If you need a gun today, right now, it's for something not good. It's not as if, if it's and it's if it's for self-defense, then then that's why the authorities are there. So I've 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 been thinking really hard about getting one because I don't ever want to be in a position where myself or my family are vulnerable or we're in a position where I can't help them and something happens where I can't assist and and be there for them and help them and and get them out of harm's way that would be and and that's happened to to moms and dads all over the place and I and I couldn't imagine that feeling so I don't ever want that to happen so I've been I've been really weighing it in my head for the last three four months on on getting a gun and then being able to carry that gun no, I wouldn't bring it to schools. I wouldn't bring it to movie. Th- I mean, I wouldn't bring it to a movie theater. But I don't, I don't really even know where you would carry it. I don't know. I, I really wouldn't feel comfortable carrying it anywhere. I wouldn't feel comfortable having a gun on me anywhere, even in a gun range. I don't feel comfortable with them. Not that I can't properly use a gun. I have shotguns in the military. It's just, it's a big deal. I treat I, to me, it's a big deal. I haven't. I even had a. I wasn't born and raised in in Texas where I, I you know I, I had a gun on my hip when I was six. I, I that's just not how I was raised. I shot a gun in the military and that's it. I never shot a gun before that and I haven't shot a gun after that. Now I would make sure that I shot that gun and could shoot that gun you know correctly and safely and and hold the gun safely and store the gun safely, but. You need that stuff. You have to do that because that's just, and that's a whole not, that's a whole other issue is is guns around the house, gun safety around the house, and kids getting a hold of their parents' guns. But as far as just self defense and everything, yeah, I I am I am teetering on on per, perhaps purchasing purchasing a weapon. And I never thought that I would be thinking of that, but in this in this day and age, and and that's people have been killing people since the beginning of time, but it is. People weren't walking into schools with 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 semi-automatic weapons and 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 shooting up students. That wasn't happening. Bad things have always happened, but that wasn't happening. People haven't been shooting up malls, most because they weren't around. But and and schools certainly and concerts and so you never know. And 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 with these folks that are doing this, they always want to kind of one up and 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 do something new. It was schools. Schools were huge for a while, and then it was concert. Now concerts are really. Big. I mean, that's they people love going into concerts and shooting concerts up. It's just sick. It's so you never really know. And what's the next thing? What's the next thing? I mean, the worst possible shooting already happened, and we and we didn't 
there was and we didn't affect change after that i mean a kindergarten class was like 20 some kindergartners were shot tell, tell me something that's worse than that if we didn't change anything after that we're not changing anything now i, I just i don't know what to do I, I, who do you go to what do you do do you do you do you actually run for office do you run for all is that the only way to do it because you feel too small and too squeezed and too outnumbered when, when stuff like this happens. So that's my thoughts on, on, on the shootings and the guns and everything like that. I don't, I don't really want to talk about it anymore. I've already took up way more time than I thought I was going to. So we're going to just move on. So here's smooth transition number three, I believe. I've been really working on my transitions. And I think they're going swimmingly right now. Smooth transition number three. The shows I'm watching right now, I'm watching two shows that are actually kind of not based on, but revolve around crimes that involve shootings. I don't watch a ton of T. I watch a lot of TV, but I don't really watch a lot of like shows like dedicated shows. Like I watch Seinfeld. I watch football. I watch golf. We watch Family Guy. So it's not like I don't have a ton of shows I watch. Game of Thrones, obviously. There's a couple on Netflix that I watch, but we started watching two shows recently. One of them is the assassination of Gianni Versace. Creepy show, really good show. Very detailed, gives you a ton of information, stuff that I didn't know. Like there was a Shine song that came out when I was in high school. And Shine said Andrew Cunanan in the song. I never knew who it was, but I would always sing the lyric. Andrew Cunanan. Well, Andrew Cunanan is the guy that shot Gianni Versace. I didn't know that. That, so once I heard his name, I was like, that's what Shine was talking about on that album. That was, that's, I mean, that was kind of cool to hear. And Shine was awesome for that one album, wasn't he? Shine was great. That one, that one album was so good. It was so good. I don't even remember what it was called. So it really details, and it's still going right now. It's not done, so I don't know. I know the end. They kind of show you the end, and then they backtrack to see how each person got there, the killer and Versace. And he killed Versace. I'm not giving anything away. This is in the first episode, right in front of his house. And then I always thought, I always knew Versace was murdered, but I didn't think it was from a serial killer. He was like a a serial killer who was insane. And he stole a gun. So gun walls wouldn't have helped us there. He stole a gun and did all kinds of crazy stuff and then killed Versace. But it's a really good watch. I would give that a look. Another show that's pretty good that we're watching that has a lot to do with guns is Waco. I don't know if... Everybody remembers what happened in Waco, or if you're watching the show, if you are, it's really great, really well acted, well written. There's three guys from Game of Thrones in there. They're all awesome. Um, Taylor, whatever his name is, from Friday Night Lights, and I think he played Gambit in one of the X-Men. He was good. He's good in it. Um, he plays David Koresh, who is the leader of the Branch Davidians, who was the real leader of the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas. And they, what happened was, again, not giving too much away, like if you know anything about Waco, you know why or and how it happened but the atf got a tip that he was like storing guns and stuff like that they also got a tip that he was like molesting kids but they heard he was storing like a bunch of guns and they 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 wanted to prove to congress i guess who was approving their budget that they were worth it they were talking about maybe shutting down the atf and so they said they needed a big splash they got it and I don't want to give all of it away, but the goings-on that happened after that are cringeworthy. And it's like, it's, I've never seen a TV show that had two sides that were just wrong. Usually there's a good guy and a bad guy. And in this show, there's just a couple bad guys. 
There's a lot of good guys in it too, but like the two sides, the definitive line on each side, both were just so wrong and both couldn't understand. It was such a bad miscommunication and what a tragedy that happened down there. Um, Check that show out. It's on Paramount, which I never even know that was a channel, but Waco is on Paramount. The Assassination of Gianni Versace is on FX. Really good shows. Give them a look. We have a hard time sometimes, Kim and I, of watching TV shows because our son likes to watch cartoons. Now, we're not the type that like throw the phone in his face or the iPad in his face, but he does like to watch cartoons and I don't like to always just keep it away from him. Like I like I liked cartoons when I was a kid. He can watch them too. We just don't want to overdo it. And my idea, like this, tell me this is not a great idea. You have a show. So you have a show like Waco. Now, my son doesn't know. He's not following plots of Puppy Dog Pals or Vampirina. He's just watching it because of the colors and I guess the sounds. I don't know, but mostly probably because of the colors. We, we can put it on mute and he'll just stare at it and laugh. Here's an idea. Paramount, FX. So you, you create a show called Waco and it's going to air on Paramount. And it's a regular show with real actors in it. Now, there was a movie called A Scanner Darkly, and they do that all the time. I don't even remember what it's called. Maybe like, it's not live action. I don't know what it is. But it's essentially, you're animating the people on the screen. It's like, not even, not like Polar Express either. Like, look up A Scanner Darkly. It's like that, whatever that's called. And again, I probably should have prepared for this and known it, but I don't. So, so A Scanner Darkly, it's like Keanu Reeves, and it's him acting, but it's like they animate it. It's like a Photoshop. They should have on Paramount or on NBC or on CBS the real show, the actual show. And then for parents that have kids that would like to tune in, they have one that's just like a Scanner Darkly. It's just the, it's the same actors. They look the same, but they're just animated. And the colors are a little bit more vibrant. And that could be on like an affiliated station. Parents, you know, can watch that one. Regular people with no kids that have a regular life can watch can watch the actual show. This way, we can watch these shows and our son can tune in and think he's watching a cartoon. Everybody wins. The only problem is the, there's people getting shot in the head and stuff like that. Probably, maybe, I don't know, Hollywood can figure that out. But this is the genesis of this great idea. So who's on board? We can start. I need an animator. I need a director, a producer, um, an illustrator. I need a lot of things, but we can workshop this. Let's let's get this thing rolling. This is a really good idea. This is going to take off, and nobody has thought of it yet. Who's in? Now again, we don't watch like a ton of TV. We kind of we like to go to the park, but it's winter time, so you're stuck inside a little bit more. Now there was a time I'm really into like premium channel shows, like HBO. Showtime, I liked Homeland, but that really got a little old. It's the same, same story with Carrie and that cry face. I can't watch Carrie just, or uh, what's her name? I don't even remember her name. Walk around and cry every episode and do stupid things. So that show got old to me. And once the redhead got killed, it really went downhill. The redhead being the guy from Band of Brothers. I don't know his name either. What's his name? He plays Dick Winters in Band of Brothers, which is the best series that was ever made. It is, uh, I don't know. I mean, I could sit here in silence for like a minute and think about it, but that won't, that doesn't make for good podcasting. 
So there was a show that was on like Showtime or Stars or something like that. That came out a couple years ago. So I got I was got out of the Navy and I lived at home for a little bit. And I lived with my mom. And I heard, I kept hearing how good this show was that was on. And finally, I was like, hey, like my, me and my mom were like sitting at home on a Saturday. There was nothing to do. I was like, hey, mom, let's check out this show that everybody keeps talking about. The show was called Sparta. And it was about Sparta in Greece. Big, big, big mistake. Don't ever watch that show with your mom ever. It was just me and my mom. And I turned it on. And it was like... It was like 300. It was combined, a combination of 300 and a hardcore porno. Very, very awkward to sit there and watch that with my mom. So I just stared at the TV. And one, I never wanted to leave a room so bad in my life. I think she was thinking the same thing. And we watched this show that was like an hour and a half long because it was the first episode. And, and we pretty much watched, watched a porno. <laughs> it was it was the worst thing ever and then we watched people get their heads cut off and get stabbed with big swords and then they would have sex <laughs> and then we watched more people and th- and it was the most uncomfortable thing in the world and she's listening to this probably right now and she remembers it because it was very it was very very awkward so don't ever watch Sparta with your mom don't ever ever Watch it with your mom. That's a little little uh, advice for you. <laughs> if you watch something different. <laughs> but I was so so again we're watching TV and a a commercial comes on and it's one of those commercials that are like to save animals, send money to save animals, but it's not the dog one. It's almost worse. Now dog the dog and cat one's worse with Sarah McLaughlin. It's it's so sad that I changed the channel and I feel bad changing the channel. I'm thinking Who's helping these dogs? Nobody loves dogs more than me, and I can't even watch this, and I'm not sending money either. So what am I doing to help? I'm not doing anything. But so there's a new one out, and it is it has it's snow leopards. <laughs> the at first the first time I saw it, I thought like the first couple couple seconds of it, I thought it was a joke, like snow leopards. I thought that was like just like in the pulling dynamite thing, or that's uh I forget what that's called. So the commercial keeps going and. They're showing a snow leopard that has like a trap stuck to its paw and it's like limping around. It's the worst thing ever. It's the saddest thing in the world. My question is not even like who put that trap out. That's sick enough. But who manufactures this this stuff? Who's manufacturing a trap to, to snap onto an animal's leg? How could you build that? Like you have all the time in the world to think as you're building it. Like it's not like a mistake. Like, oh, I accidentally ran over a deer. You, you're, you're, that's your job. Your work, you're, you're welding this piece of steel together to make sure that it can properly snap shut on a beautiful animal's paw. How can you lay down at night and think, oh, big day at work tomorrow, making a big trap to kill a bear? Who thinks of this stuff? Who could build that? How could you build that? I just don't have that in me. Maybe I'm on one extreme. I don't even kill bugs. But to put together a big giant steel trap with big old metal teeth on it that are going to snap and break the bones of a leopard. 
That's what you do for your for a living. How who who's doing this? It's such a evil evil thing. I don't understand it. It's it's so sad. Like how, how do you end up in that line of work that you're the trap guy for snow leopards? I just don't get how like somebody ends up on that path. How do you end up we all have these weird ways that we take to get onto the path that we're on. How's that one happen? So kind of along the same lines, but not steel traps that trap snow leopards. But like talking about life paths and stuff like that. If you are a scientist and you go to school for a thousand years to get, you know, your, your, your scientist lab coat and you get hired by a drug company to do research and create these this medicine where how do you end up being like the fart pill guy (laughs) who like you have all these brilliant brilliant scientists and researchers that are creating medicine doctors that are creating these pills that are life-saving life-changing that have committed their lives to this medicine these studies for these big companies how do you end up Making like the gas pills, like gas acts. Who's, are you the worst scientist in your class? Are you the worst researcher in your, in your college that you end up the fart pill guy, fart pill girl? Is your whole family, like your older brother, he cured AIDS. Your sister came up with this just unbelievable drug that, that, that for pancreatic cancer. That really stabilizes it and allows their patients to live comfortably for another 30 years. It was a death wish before, but now because of your sister, pancreatic cancer patients can now live a comfortable life. And then they get to you and they're like, hey, we're going to eat dinner and, you know, we're not going to fart as much after because of of Rick now at the end of the table there. Thanks, Rick. How do you, (laughs) who had... Do you, how do you say that? Like you did, you dedicated your life to, to, to medicine. You knew when you were a freshman in high school that you wanted to work for Johnson and Johnson or no, is it medicine? Not Johnson and Johnson for, um, Merck or McNeil. You knew that you wanted to be there and you wanted to help people. And somehow along the way you pissed off the wrong guy. Your boss hated you. And you went down to the fart department. Yeah, <laughs> you you know, you have you 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 have shown up to work on time, but I don't like your attitude. You don't you don't you 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 don't go up abide by the dress code properly. You wear sneakers every day to work. You're not properly groomed. You will now report to Greg, who's in charge of farts. So pack your stuff. <laughs> I work for, I work for, um, I work for Merck. Yeah, we're doing some innovative stuff there. Yeah, we're we're cutting farts down to about two or three after after a meal. We were at five or seven, but now we've got it down to two or three. We're doing a lot of good stuff over there. My sister is curing cancer. My brother, he retired. He 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 put the finishing touches on AIDS, and I'm working in gas. Yeah, I'm working in gas. Everything's going pretty good. Dude, what how, how, I just want to know how you end up there. I want to talk to the guy who came up with Gas X and, and ask him, or even now, Bino, 
which is preventative. That's well, I guess they're all preventative, but Bino is a little different. No, they're not. I guess they're not preventative, right? Gas X is if you have gas, you take it. Bino is we don't even. So now is that guy better than the Gas X guy? The Bino guy says you won't get gas if you take this. He all he's gonna do his this scientist is so bad he can maybe cure your gas after you get you won't even get it. So Bino, the Bino guy probably probably has little respect for the Gas X guy. Gas X guy wants to be Bino. Not good enough to be Bino. Guess he, how do you, diarrhea is not even, like, diarrhea would be one thing. That could, that could really do some harm to people. But farts, <laughs> how do you end up in the fart department? You've got to be the worst. You, they always say like, you know, the, the worst doctors become dentists. Do the worst scientists become fart pill guys? I've always thought about that. If you know a fart pill guy or girl, somebody that works in farts, let me know. I want to. I'm, I'm curious. I want to have them on here and ask them how they ended up. All the hard work, the schooling that they did for years. They've always known they want to do this. They, you know, grueling college courses, post grad, internships, and they end up curing farts. Somebody, somebody's got to let me know how that happens. Now, I don't mean to take shot at dentists. Dentists are awesome. They, they take care of our teeth. They do great. They do good, great work. I actually prefer going to the dentist over getting my hair cut. I hate getting my hair cut. I love the days where I would just shave my head. I can't do that now because I'd look insane. But I hate, I hate getting my hair cut. I hate the forced conversation. First, the waiting. Then the price, it's so expensive to get your hair cut now. And then I got to talk about, you know, everything I've done in the last week, what I'm doing tonight, why I'm getting my hair cut. Like I'm getting my hair cut because look at it. It's growing over my ears. I'm a, I'm not like an every two month guy. I'm like an every four month guy. So when I need a haircut, you know, I need a haircut. Everybody knows. And it turns into this like Lego helmet. It looks like Lego hair just clips into my head. It's disgusting. Now I hate it even more because, so I was sitting in my living room playing with my son and I will call him Raleigh. So it's Kim and Raleigh and it's Raleigh, R-A-L-E-I-G-H, which is pronounced Raleigh, not Rayleigh, not Riley. Like everybody says, I didn't think when we pecked that name that there would be such an issue. I thought, you know, you see R-A-L-E-I-G-H, that's Raleigh. Everybody in this country knows that's Raleigh. I could see if it's somebody from France that pronounces it wrong or Ecuador, not from Pennsylvania, not from Plymouth meeting. His doctor, his doctor, the nurse, the nurse at the front desk said, okay, okay uh, Riley. I, I said, no, it's not Riley. Where are you getting rye from? It's, it's Raleigh. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. When's she coming back in? I was like, she, it's a, he, it's a, it's Raleigh. Like that's, it's, it's like a strong English name. It's not that hard. I didn't think when we picked it that it would be this. And now I'm starting to feel bad that he's going to not like his name because nobody can say it right. It's pretty open and shut. Raleigh. So Raleigh and I are on the ground, like kind of wrestling around. And my fiance says, oh, I did it again. See, Kim says, we have, what's that like little spot on the back of your head? I don't know what she's talking about. So she comes up and touches it. She goes, you got a little bald spot on the back of your head. How long has that been there? Have you always had that? She puts my finger on it. I feel it. 
there's a bald spot in the back of my head. That it was never there before. I didn't know it was there. I had just gotten a haircut like two days before. I'm thinking like, did she, did she just like hit me with the clippers on accident right there? But no, it was like bald and soft. Like the hair fell out. So on the back of my head, it's like, I'd probably say it's like dime size nickel. No, it's like penny. It's like a size of a penny, like almost in the middle of the back of my head. That's a bald spot. And now I'm uncomfortable about it. And now I feel like I've had two haircuts since. And I know when they get there, I can feel it. I know that they're looking at it. And I know when it's happening. And I think, and she stops talking and kind of looks at it and like puts the hair up with her thumb and sees it. And I know. And I'm just like, this is the worst. So now it's uncomfortable. And it's not even that big of a deal. There are way worse things that can happen to me. Trust me, I'm not complaining. I just don't, I've researched it and it turns out it runs in my family. My aunt gets it too. And it said like, it's called like, it's some kind of like, it's like areacea alopecia or something like that. Areata alopecia. It's like an area that you develop alopecia. It won't spread and the hair will grow back, but sometimes it just happens. And they said on the, on whatever it was like WebMD or whatever I was reading said, chances are somebody in your family have it. I was talking to my mom and she was like, yes, yeah, your aunt has that. So my aunt Janet gets it too. It was crazy. So I didn't even know that I even had this. Well, I have it now. So I have a bald spot in the back of my head. So the dentist, I don't have any bald spots in my mouth. I'd much rather go to the dentist. No bald spots. Don't have to talk. Cleans my teeth. Then the, the barbershop, I got to, I got to talk. I got to tell stories. I got to try to be funny. And then I got to look at my bald spot. Then I got to figure out if they did it. And I got to tell them they didn't do it. Then I got to tell them that it just happened a couple months ago. And then my aunt has it too. And then I talk about it on the podcast. I have a bald spot in the back of my head. If you see it, say something. It'll be funny. Make fun of me. So I was trying to find the bald spot in the mirror. So I like turned around and held a second mirror up to the bathroom mirror. And was trying to look for it and finally found it. And caught my side my side profile on the way down. And I have kind of a really funny story. Not really funny story. It's a really sad story about the first time that I saw myself from the side. I don't like looking at myself from the side. Did you ever see yourself from the side? It's not you. <laughs> you don't know yourself from the side. Everybody else might. But you don't know yourself from the side. And I was at my friend's house in high school. I, I was such a... I saw myself... From the side, so late in life. Everybody else probably saw themselves from the side for the first time, like seven, eight years old, nine. Not me. We had one mirror in my house, and it was straight on. Straight on mirror. So I didn't have any fancy side mirrors. I never looked at myself from the side. Never thought to. I just figured, it's me. Like, this is me. The person I look at is me. No big deal. I'm sure I look fine from the side. Wasn't even worried about it. I was at, I was at my buddy Jay Leahy's house, and he in his bathroom, he had fancy, like, he had a nice mirror in the front and then two on the side. And I, you know, went to the bathroom, was washing my hands, and I peeked up to the side and saw myself and like stopped what I was doing. I was like, who the hell is that? Wait. And I was moving. I was like, that's me. <laughs> and I was disturbed. I was not comfortable with what I looked like from the side. The first time you see yourself from the side is a very awkward feeling. That was not me. I was the I know I, I was a guy that I saw every day in front of the mirror. Looked totally different from the side. From then on, I didn't want to see anybody to see me from the side, even though they have been my whole life. 
did not like it. I smile. I would smile, and and I would notice that I looked so different. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what people have had to look at their entire life. They were looking at me. They were probably looking at me from the side, and they saw that. Ah, this is not good at all. I would find myself if I was at parties trying to find the corner of the room so everybody could look at at me from straight on. I didn't want anybody to see me from the side. It took me a while to get over that to accept what I actually looked like. Because from the front, you know you know where everything is. You know where every hair is, where every nook, where every cranny is. From the side, you don't see yourself much. And pictures don't do justice. A live look from the side, oof. If you haven't done it yet, give it a look. You're going to look a whole lot different than what you think. Don't look at your torso. Don't. You're not ready for that. Don't pick your shirt up. Just look at you, do your face. Because the side, once you start getting into torsos and stuff like that, you're not even you anymore. You're not even the person that you thought you were. You're totally different. Just stay up in the face until you're ready to go down low. Once you start going down low, it only gets worse. The lower you go from the side, the worse it gets. You think that that shirt looks good from the front? It does. Most of the time, from the front, I look like a stud. Just my torso, I look great. And then I do the little turn. Mm. Mm-mm. Nope. Not good. Side profiles are scary. Very scary. So we're at a bit of a crossroads here in my house between Kim, Raleigh, and myself. And the issue is that we don't know if we're going to become or we're going to teach our son to be a barefoot kid or a Sox kid. Now, the way I grew up, I was a Sox family. We, we were always a Sox family. We didn't rock just piggies out all day in the house on the couch. We were... You know, our socks came off for baths and showers and got, they were on for, you know, floating around the house and stuff like that, just hanging out. We, there wasn't bare feet just, just around. But Kim's family, they're, they're all about the bare feet. You know, they'll just, they just, they just hang out bare feet. Doesn't matter what, what time of year, if they're floating, just hanging out, watching TV around the house, they're, they're piggies out. I've come to accept it a little bit more, but I grew up as a socks guy and I still am a socks guy. I don't just hang out in the living room with everybody and and my toes are out. Especially, like, I don't do it ever. Maybe once or twice a year. Somehow it'll happen. But especially if there's company over. I'll never just be barefoot. Like, you're never going to be at my house and I'm just I'm just bare feet. Just on the couch. Like, legs up. Watching, watching, watching the game with, with my toes out. Wiggling them around. I don't, I don't, I just don't do it. I don't know why it's not, I'm not saying it's a, it's an awful thing. It's just, I'm a socks guy, but Kim will do it. Kim's, Kim's barefoot. She's, she doesn't just chill with socks. I mean, she does, she does sometimes now. I think I'm rubbing off on her a little bit, but she's more of a barefoot girl. Now, if I'm down the shore or something like that, that's fine. Down the shore, I'll walk. I don't need shoes all week. That's fine. I don't, I'll go anywhere. I'll stay. It doesn't matter to me. I'll walk in the, in the street with no, with no shoes on, no socks on. That doesn't bother me. But for some reason at home, I'm just never going to be like, I'm recording this right now in a t-shirt, sweatpants and socks. And nobody's here. There's nobody home. But I would feel weird if I looked down and just have just bare feet. I guess it's because, so my dad was a very formal guy. He was like a former Marine. Everything was like super neat in the house and buttoned up. And our hair was always perfect. My, you know, my mom had to comb my hair perfect. And he had to have our hats on exactly how he liked it and how it looked nice. And we were always prim and proper. 
growing up. We weren't rich. We just we were far from rich. We didn't have money, but he always liked things just neat and nice. And I guess that was part of being formal was like not hanging out with just with with just bare feet. Like then your feet will get dirty, and you gotta get in bed. So he was always we were always socks, and we were so formal that there was a time a couple years ago that we were at my mom's house and we found like a bunch of old videotapes. And one of them was from my preschool graduation. This is preschool. This is preschool before school. This is pre-K, not even kindergarten. And it was from my pre-K graduation. And most kids in the video are wearing like t-shirts and shorts. And some are even wearing tank tops. It's the summertime. I'm in a three-piece suit for my preschool graduation. A three-piece suit. Pants, a blazer, a vest, a tie, hair gelled, and we're singing songs. I'm in a three-piece suit singing peanut butter and jelly, playing with the, the, the paper toys that we made, singing songs in a graduation. Kids are having fun. I'm all business. My songs, I sang them wholeheartedly, all out, in my suit. Like I was Pavarotti performing in front of a crowd of 100,000 people. And I looked good. That's just how we were. And I think that is kind of why I'm a Sox guy. Because that's just how I was raised. Is it is it weird to be at home on the couch and have socks on them? Why, why do I need to be, why do my feet need to be out to feel comfortable? So I don't know how we're going to... Is my son going to be a barefoot guy like his mom? Or will he be a socks guy? It's really how we raise him. Now, I don't think I'm going to make him wear a three-piece suit for his preschool graduation. I think that might be a little overboard. I looked good. And if you want to see the video, just let me know. And some of you listening may even be in the video. But um, yeah, the kids were very casual. It was, it was a very casual graduation except for except for me for me it was black tie so we'll see either Riley's going to be a barefoot guy or a socks guy and I think that move is going to have to be starting to get established here soon so some things that have annoyed me just this week are the first one is kind of whatever it annoys everybody it's autoplay ads that have volume so you're on a website just reading an article and all of a sudden, there's an ad that's playing audibly on your phone. That's not even on the screen. So you have to scroll down to find it to pause it. That shouldn't be allowed. That should be something that's illegal. That should be whoever is whoever is in charge of implementing those types of ads. That's immediate execution. That's automatic. You have to die. Advertisement. Advertisement nowadays is just the worst. It just it's just everything is advertising and everything has to be above and beyond what it used to be and new and innovative and they're going to keep finding these ways and for us they're just annoying. I've never have you ever watched a commercial or saw an ad and said I need that? I like Doritos. We eat Doritos all the time. I don't buy them cuz there's Doritos commercials. I buy Doritos because they're good. I've never watched a commercial and said, I need Pizza Hut right now. You get Pizza Hut when you want to eat some some guilty pleasure food. That's disgusting, but delicious. You don't, you don't say, oh, that's right. Oh, my gosh. How could I forget 
that Coca-Cola is in stores. I've never, I cannot believe that they sell Coca-Cola still. I didn't know until I saw this ad. How could I know? Oh, honey, you know what? We need a credit card. And Jennifer Garner is saying that this one's good. Now, I did not know that credit cards were still around. And I think, I think we should get one. Ads and these these ads that autoplay are even worse because you don't even you're not even ready for them. Commercials you're ready for. You know when it's coming. You can tell by the inflection in the announcer's voice or the way the show's going. The screen blacks out. Commercials coming. Okay. The ads you're just reading a story about you know anything that's just happened in the news and all of a sudden boom, there's a commercial for a show or a product or whatever. That's not okay. I hate that. That has to go. Also something that I've been hearing. For the last couple of years that I can't stand. And it annoys me every time I heard it. And this is like just totally, you know, the other side of this. This is not the same ballpark as what we just talked about. Um, but it's just something that annoyed me. And this is the this is the annoys me section of this show. Portion of this show. Saying addiction is a disease. I don't care what you're addicted to. It is not a disease. Addiction should never be confused or molded together with a disease. That is not. Addiction is typically a choice. No, not typically. It always is. It's a choice that you made that that was bad. <laughs> that didn't end up how you thought it would. Addiction is not a disease. Your addiction to, to meth is not the same as your grandmom's cancer. Sorry. You're not, you're not going you're not going to generate the same feelings from me or probably anybody. It's a, that's a, that's just, just you, not you. That's just a person trying to compare their issues to something that's bigger than them. That's all that is. Addiction is curiosity that backfired. You were curious about something that you knew you shouldn't have done and you did it and it backfired mightily. Don't compare that to sickness. That's not sickness. You're sick because of your choices. Alcoholism is not a disease. That's a choice that you made. You don't choose to get lupus. You just get lupus. You don't choose to get cancer. You don't choose to get a cold. You chose to get that addiction. You knew what would happen if you did that. That's not a disease. Stop copping out. That's something you did. You are passing the buck onto something that is bigger than you and it's not. You did this. You're addicted because of your weaknesses. Be stronger. Don't do not compare that to being diseased. And you know what else has annoyed me? And it annoyed me Super Bowl week and I'm still thinking about it and it's Kevin Hart. And I know, I realize that I am in the minority here, but Kevin Hart is not funny. Kevin Hart has never made me laugh. Kevin Hart tries very, very hard. And it's uncomfortable. Every interview I saw with him during Super Bowl week was awkward. was cringeworthy. He was, I mean, I'd never seen somebody try so hard to get a laugh and not, not execute. Compare him to Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle. They were 10 times the comedian that Kevin Hart is. That guy is not funny. Perhaps his movies may be funny. Where writers typically write his lines. 
and he just acts them. But as far as his stand-up or his improv on live TV, it was awful. I've never laughed at anything that that guy said. I get that I'm in a minority. I don't understand why. Every joke that I've heard from his stand-up is an absolute reach. Not funny. Junk material. Lazy material. But not good. I don't don't understand. I really don't understand. He's, to me, he's Dane Cook. He's Dane Cook. It's not funny. He's He's just not a funny guy. Perhaps funny in the movies that he's in. Dane Cook actually was pretty funny in some of the movies. Good Luck Chuck was actually a pretty funny movie. And he was good in um, Dan in Real Life. Kevin Hart isn't a funny guy. You want him to be funny. He's a little tiny crazy guy who screams all the time. And when he really wants to laugh, he gets louder. That's what I noticed throughout Super Bowl week. He'll get really loud and repeat until he gets a laugh. Awkward. He's a strange, bizarre. I don't, it's like a phenomenon. I, I don't get. I don't get how he draws so much, and he does. And I'm not. Under, I'm not cracking on his work ethic. The dude works hard, and he's and he's constantly doing stuff. There's, but he he seems to me like he is just forced. But again, that's like, I think one percent of people would agree with me. It seems like everybody loves Kevin Hart. I don't. Things I've tried and failed at. Most recently, I've failed at um, going to a good dinner in New York City. So we went on a trip to New York City last weekend. We had a blast. We got there at like 11 o'clock. It took us an hour and 20 minutes to get there from, from Conchahokan, which is a great time. And we, we had a blast. We went to a couple bars. Then we went to the um, Natural History Museum, which was fun because we went to a couple bars first and then went there and saw all kinds of like space stuff and dinosaurs. I thought it was going to be kind of slow. Wrong. It was like 40 minutes to get in. Then we went to a couple bars after, then got cleaned up, and we were really excited for the dinner that we made. Now, prior to going to dinner, we got ready early and went out to have some more drinks, and we... We were talking to the, the bartender at the bar we were at. The bar was called Hold Fast, and it was a cool little place. And they had they had good food there, apparently. And the bartender asked us where we were going, and I told him we were going to Heartland Brewery. And he kind of was like, oh, and walked away. He came back. I said, hey, man, what, what your, your reaction there is not making me feel confident in our choice of dinner. And he goes, it's like it's not that really good of a place. It got great ratings on, on, on Yelp, but... He, did, he seemed to think it was going to be awful. Right, so we tried to make a reservation at a couple different spots, but everywhere was full. It was Saturday night. It was Valentine's weekend, the weekend before Valentine's Day in New York City. We couldn't find anything. So we were like, all right, we'll just we'll stick with it. Well, we'll he said, eat here. I go, no, we don't, want to, we don't want to eat here. So we went to this, we went to this restaurant. Awful. Terrible. Worst place ever. I mean, the, the, the appetizer we had was okay, but their beer was terrible. They brewed their own beer. It was awful. The steak I had was just fat, and it cost $92. I had a steak and mashed potatoes. Kim had chicken and rice, and it was 80 bucks, 80, $77, and we left 15 for a tip. $92 for a bad meal and a beer that I took two sips of and didn't finish. Terrible. So I've really we've really failed. All the restaurants we had to choose from in New York city. And we picked that one and failed miserably so bad. So if you're in New York, don't go to Heartland brewery. It's not that good. There's a couple different spots. I heard the other ones better Heartland rotisserie, but the Heartland brewery, I, I do not recommend that. So that was a fail. Now, a couple years ago, 
I've also failed at rock climbing. Kim and myself were, this is in our more active phase. And we found a Groupon. This is when Groupon was huge. Is Groupon even still around? I don't hear anything about Groupon anymore. But it was big then. And we found a Groupon for the Philadelphia Rock Gym, which is in Oaks. And we thought it was cool. It was like 20 bucks a person. You do three classes. And you get like you get like some kind of certification or whatever. So we go. The first time. We, we love it. I mean, we felt like we liked it. We were good at it. We got up the wall quick, like we were getting good at it. And then the second time we went, and we were getting really even better at it. And the third time we went, we were we were, we were fit. We fit right in, and we were like thinking like really hard about joining. Like this is something we could do. Like we're gonna go, we're gonna do this, we're gonna train here, and we're gonna climb mountains. And we would tell people we were rock climbers in jest. We weren't serious. We were just joking, but it was fun to be like, yeah, we're, yeah, we're rock climbers. Of course we did a Groupon. And I tell people that now I tell people I used to rock climb and then they ask me, they say, oh, you did. And I tell them about the Groupon, but technically we were, we were former rock climbers. So we were into it and they were asking us, they were like, are you guys thinking about joining? We're like, yes, of course we are. This is great. Everybody here is so nice. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's fit. So we go, how much is. Like, how much is the stuff? Because after the Groupon, you have to have your own stuff. They let you use their stuff, their shoes, their harnesses, and all that jazz while you're, while you're doing your Groupon thing. But after that, no more. You have to have your own. She said, how much is this stuff? She goes, oh, the shoes are like, you can get a cheap pair of shoes. You can get a pair of shoes for like $220. 220 <laughs> for, for how many? All For both of us? $220, $220 for a pair of rock climbing shoes. The harness. I don't even know how much. The membership was insanely expensive. I go, oh man, we'll think about it and we'll be back. That was, that was like, actually that was, I might have said two years ago, that was like four years ago. Haven't gone back, haven't even driven past. Still tell people I used to rock climb, but definitely, definitely not a rock climber. I picture myself climbing to the summit of K2 when I was on that wall in Oaks. I thought, this is the life for me. I'm going to be a rock climber. I'm going to be one of these guys. Somebody get me a cliff bar. I'll eat it up here because I am one of you now. I need some quino, quinoa, whatever it is. And I need a cliff bar and some water and some, some powder, a little powder pouch. That was the life that we, we, we were choosing to be rock climbers. And then we got the prices. And we're like, eh, nah, we'll just go get a couple of burgers. <laughs> So I failed at rock climbing, too. So I said last, no, not last episode. I said after episode three, I think, after whatever the whatever the short job I had was, whatever episode that was, the oldies.com, I think it was episode three, I said that that was the second shortest job I had. So here's the shortest job I've ever had. Now, after the hot dog stand closed at Home Depot, I, was, I filled an application to actually work at Home Depot. And... A couple guys I went to high school with were working at a steakhouse called J.B. Dawson's. They were hosts. I essentially got got the opportunity to get both jobs. I had to choose between one of them, between both of them. And I asked my mom, I said, Mom, which one do you think I should take? And she said, I really think that you would fit in better and, and, and like more the job at Home Depot. This is this is like right, right before this is before I joined the Navy. This is this is this is young. This is eighteen years old, seventeen years old, still in high school. 
So it was a night job. I thought, like, Home Depot, that seems like a, a real job. Like, I don't, like, I'm going to be working there. These guys that are working at J.B. Dawson's, they say they just stand up front. They clean the windows. They walk people to the table. That's, that's what I want. So I took the J.B. Dawson's job. The manager tells me, hey, you know, make sure you wear a black shirt, black pants, black shoes. So, okay, fine. They were all black there. It's like a really dark steakhouse. Like it was even dark in there. Like the lighting was very dim. It wasn't really that fun of a place to eat. It was a nice place, but it just was like very dark in there. So I say, yeah, it's fine, man. When do I start? So he tells me I start the first night, only night <laughs> that I work there. I show up. I go, I, I meet him. He, he tells me where to go, what I need to do. And he says, oh, by the way, let me see your socks. Let me see your socks. What? He goes, let me see your socks. I need to make sure they're black. Yeah, I have black socks on. It's I, I always wore black socks. I still, again, the socks I have on right now are black. I always wear black socks. I don't like white socks. So he goes, well, I need to see them. Like, okay, man. I pull my pant leg up. He goes, all right, good. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm not going to lie about my socks, man. <laughs> so I have like a key lanyard. It's like an Eagle's key lanyard I had at this point. And it was sort of in my, it was in my pocket. So like 10 minutes pass and he comes up behind me and he goes, Hey, I need you to start wiping those doors down and I need you to put your keys away. You're out of uniform. I go, all right, man. Just, I mean, I'll tuck my, I'll tuck my keys in. He goes, no, I need you to put them away. Where do you want me to put them? Put them in the host stand. Okay. Wipe the windows. All right. So I wiped the windows, taking some customers to their, to their seats. I'm there for about an hour. Guy comes up to me. He's really rubbed me the wrong way. I'm standing at the host stand. There's nobody there. I'm just standing there with a guy that I went to high school with. And he says, hey, Vince, hands out of your pockets. And I go, there's no, what do you mean hands in my pockets? I'm just standing here. He goes, get your hands out of your pockets. I said, don't even worry about it, buddy. I'm out of here. <laughs> and I left. I worked at JB Dawson's for an hour. That was that was the shortest job I've ever had, and I don't regret it. <laughs> that was that was it was it was that guy was driving me nuts. That would have just ended bad. I couldn't have lasted another ten minutes. So another job I've had, and I got about I got about fifteen more, I think. So we're not going to get through these too fast. I worked at a place called this is after oldies dot com. This is a real. I went through kind of like um. A, a period after, like two years after the Navy, and they say this, there's studies about this. They say for some reason, when you get out of the military, you can't, it's not that you get fired, you just get sick of jobs quickly. And I don't know if it's because of the fast paced lifestyle of the military. I don't know what it is. I've really, I really have no answer for it, but you just kind of burn through jobs. I got, but you get bored with the jobs quickly. So th- I, I would go on like Craigslist and be like, oh, that sounds good. Like, I'll just go do this. I'll go on like monster.com and be like, oh, this seems pretty cool. I'll go do this. And then I get sick of it. And this is no different. So <laughs> I, after oldies.com, I went to, I found a job, a place called Horizon Meats. <laughs> it's, this place is called Horizon Meats. And the guy calls me right back. His name was Brian. I'll never forget him. He's a super nice guy. He's very enthusiastic. He's like, hey man, your resume looks great. We want to get you to come in here for an interview. So I go in for the interview, kill the interview. I don't even know what this job is. They sell meat, some sort of meat for to some people. I don't even know if it's wholesale. I have no idea. 
So he goes, hey, we hired two guys, man. We had 400 people apply, and we came down to use two. That's <laughs> such a lie. So it came down to use two guys, and we hired you. We liked you both. We want you to come on in, try our stuff out, meet the crew, whatever. So we go, then we go into this little warehouse that is actually near the place where I used to rock climb. It's in Oaks. Like three of these stories today were in Oaks. It's crazy. So in the same parking lot. So the so I go there and there's this other guy there. I forget. I don't remember what his name was. And it turns out this place they sell like meat. <laughs> they sell meat door to door. That's what they do. They have these freezer trucks, and they go and you just you just cold knock on doors, just knock on doors and see if people want to buy meat. And you give them this whole spiel. But before we did that. This was in the morning. They wanted to cook us the food. So this guy, they have the grill fired up. They're cooking me and this other new guy all kinds of steaks. And these other salesmen are coming in and they're telling us how much they love this place, how much money they make, their area of operation. Here's where you can go. Here's where you shouldn't. Here's where you'll make the money. Here's where they like fish more than steak. Here's where they like chicken more than fish. Here's where they like steak more than everything. Go to these neighborhoods if you want to sell the the, the twice-baked potatoes. They really love them there. <laughs> What's going on here? And they cooked this food. And I got to tell you, food was delicious. I was sold right there. I said, this is, this is delicious. This is some of the best food I've ever had. I mean, this has to sell. I can't cook for the customers, but I can, I can really stress to them how much I enjoy this food. I know why you did this. I know why you cooked this, this food. So the second half of the day was spent going with two of the top salesmen and driving around. These are the top salesmen and driving around to different neighborhoods and, and knocking on doors. Well, we go straight to the main line. And if you're listening from to this show from somewhere that's not in the Philadelphia area, the main line is the really like, you know, high class, ritzy, well off, wealthy area in Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia suburbs. And I guess that's where you want to sell your meat. <laughs> it was expensive. Like this food was not cheap. It was really expensive. And these trucks were packed. I mean, packed with like four or five different cuts of steak, five or six different types of, of fish, a couple different chickens and sides and desserts. It was like Omaha steaks. It was really, that's what it was. Like it was Omaha steaks, but in a truck. So I go out with the top salesman and we're, we're going through these out. We're knocking on these doors and he's going through his pitch and after about 15 houses, the goal is, their goal is there to get the person to the truck, right? The truck's in the driveway or out front. You want to pull them from their door and get them to the truck to give them the big presentation where you're opening the boxes of food and you're going through everything and everything's beautiful and great and it'll make them buy it. And perhaps it will. The problem is nobody's going to the truck because why would you go to a truck with a guy that you don't know who's telling you he's selling you meat? You have meat. If you don't have meat, you'll get it at the grocery store. Why would you buy meat from somebody's truck? So the best salesman there cannot get anybody to go to the truck. And then finally, he gets somebody to go to the truck. I mean, we, we were begging people to go to the truck. Come look at the truck. And we get to the truck, and he's opening these boxes. And he's like, no, I'm not, I don't know why I'm even down here. I'm not buying food from you. So we get back in the truck, and we go around a couple of different houses. And the guy pretty much is like, yeah, you know, sometimes you have tough days like this. They're all so positive, though. Like, everybody there is so positive. He's like, tough days like this, but I'm telling you, man, this stuff, once you start selling this stuff, it just keeps rolling, man. You won't stop. You won't be able to keep your truck filled with meat. That's how fast it's going to sell. You'll be selling macaroni and cheese and potatoes with the meat. You'll be making dinners for these people. They're going to love you. They're going to be calling you on the weekend saying, Vince, can you bring me steak? 
I need steak for Sunday. This is what he's telling me. We go back to the shop. Brian's like, man, do you, didn't you love this? Dude, this is great. You want some more food? We'll cook you up some more food. They cook up more food. Food's good. Food's really good. Salesmen, more salesmen come in. The ones that didn't mean in the morning. Tell me how much they love it. I get my own truck. I get my own meat truck. They tell me they're giving me a deal. They're going to not make me buy the meat first. They're going to stock me up first. I don't have to, I don't have to buy anything. Typically what they'll do is make you buy the meat and then you sell it and you make that money, right? You'll buy the meat at like a discount. They're not going to do that for me though. This one time they see so much potential in me and the other guy that they're going to, they're going to start a new program. It's, they're just doing it for us though. I get my truck and I go home and I plug the truck in because you got to plug the truck in so the stuff doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't defrost. The next morning, I get up. Brian's calling me at like 8 a.m. Hey, where are you going? What are you doing? Make sure you keep a log of every house you go to so we know when you go back, blah, 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 blah. So I go straight back to the main line. I knock on a door. I, I, I half-heartedly give this, this, this speech to this lady. She doesn't want to hear it. shuts the door in my face. And right then, I'm thinking, what am I doing here? What? Everything I've done in my life. I've had some, you know, some tribulations and some, tri- but I've, I've, I've had some success and I'm selling meat door to door with no plan. <laughs> How did I get here? <laughs> and I really lost faith right there. Like right then I'm thinking I'm a meat guy. I got a horizon meat jacket on. I look like an idiot. I think I have the hat on. I, I just look, it's just all bad. And then I go to another door and they don't answer and everybody wasn't answering. It was like a Tuesday and nobody was home. And finally somebody answers. I can't get them to the truck. I take lunch. I think I knocked on a couple of doors after lunch, but then I was like, ah, I kept lying to Brian and tell him I was, he kept asking me where I was and I would tell him spots and tell him I was, you know, I was just really, I was really, so what I would do was drive by and write addresses down, but I would just drive by him. I wasn't getting out of that truck knocking on another door and I drove home and I parked and I plugged the car, plugged the truck in. And then I asked, I asked my mom, I said, again, this is when I was living at home. This is right out of the Navy. I said that night, I said, mom, you know, you're going to have to follow me with this truck. I'm dropping this truck off. I'm not, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I dropped the truck off. I plugged it in at the, I dropped it off at the warehouse. I made sure it was plugged in. I didn't want the food to spoil. And I never heard another word. <laughs> that must have been so commonplace for them. They never even reached out to me. They knew, I mean, they knew what truck I was in. The trucks were inventoried and numbered. They knew I dropped the truck off. They knew I wasn't coming back. I never, I never heard a peep from them. <laughs> Ever. Isn't that insane? They never even called me to say, hey, where did you go? Now, throughout the day, what I forgot to say is I had the guy, the other guy who got hired, I had his number. I called him and I was like, hey, man, how you doing? He was like, I'm not doing well, man. How you doing? I said, I'm not really feeling this. And he said, me either. <laughs> he said, I think they got us. With, they, they cooked us that food. And that was like hook, line, and sinker. Like that really got me to buy in. Like this food is good and other people need to eat it. <laughs> and it didn't take long for me to lose faith in that. So he must have, maybe he's still there. Maybe he's like a huge meat conglomerate now that owns his own meat place and has his own meat trucks. Or he quit 
the same night I did. I don't know. I never talked to him again either. I never talked from anybody. So in the morning, I worked there. And at night, I dropped the truck off. The next day, I never heard another word from them. Like, it must have, that must have always happened. They must have been like, they came in in the morning and they were like, oh, God. Hey, the truck's back. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, the food didn't work. No, it didn't work. Yeah, the company shut down. The, we drove by. I actually thought to tell this story when we went to the movies because we drove by the building and I think it's like a carpet place now or something like that. But yeah, that's my old place of employment. Horizon Meats and JB Dawson's. Both kind of um, steak places. One a restaurant and one in sales. I've been all over the place. We got way more, way more job stories coming. I mean, we have we have so many here that I can't wait to tell some of them. I got to kind of I got don't want to tell more than two because I want to save some of them. Some of them are great, but you now got the first and second shortest stints. But there's some more there's some more short ones in here. There's some long ones too that are that I have some funny stories. But the short ones are great. Um, so we'll get back to that next week. I'll tell you two more. And so that's all we have for this week's episode of As the Crow Flies. Sorry for the delay, too, by the way. We're going to try and release episodes weekly, but sometimes things come up where we might have to stretch it out, or perhaps it'll even be shorter than a week. But this week, we kind of ran a little bit long, and we had a a lot going on this week, so I wasn't able to record until today. But I hope you guys enjoyed the episode nonetheless, and I'll see you next time. So oh.